Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to your second bonus transfer show of the International Break Half-Term Report Part 2. We're going to go again, Dave and I, and we're going to have a little chat about the fixtures that are coming up and the impact that they will have and the recent times will have on our lineup. Always, of course, with an eye towards personnel and what we might do and what might be long-term solutions. We're also going to have a look at the recent news uh, of Robbo's injury and how that might impact the team uh, between now and whatever the end of that injury term is. And again, will that have a bearing uh, and change things up when it comes to the next window? And we'll have just some purely exclusive transfer chit-chat at the end, including perhaps a recruit for Liverpool in the above the uh, playing staff section of the club in terms of how we run ourselves. So we'll go to all of those events, but let's start, if we can, by welcoming the one and the only Dave Davis. How are you doing, buddy? Very well, pal. Hopefully the same for you as well. Yeah, yeah, I'm doing well, considering it's a Monday evening and I've had a shit Monday. It's okay. It's all okay. We're having a chat about football. How bad can things be? And we're going to have a look at these fixtures um, from when we get back after this latest um, intensely infuriating uh, international break until up until the City game. Um, because it is an interesting little bunch. And I've heard quite a few people refer to them using the adjective that you did in the note that you sent me, which is that they are at least look on paper to be quite winnable. Um, so there are, of course, things that are going to impact that. Now, I mentioned the Andy Robertson thing. We're going to put that on ice if you'll pardon the horrible injury pun there, because it's a separate chat for later on. And we're going to look, I think, almost exclusively at our midfield area, because it is traditionally under Jurgen Klopp, the area which gets experimented with the most. Um, And we do have some specific impacts on it, notably the absence of Curtis Jones. And I think an awful lot of people are surprised that Curtis is now being looked at as such a linchpin. But I suppose when you think about some of the, the mass of bodies that went out, it should not be surprising, especially when we didn't exactly address one or two key areas. So we know 
Curtis is suspended for the next two games. That's Everton and Forest. Um, but we do have a bunch of four ahead of that city game. And just for folks who maybe don't have this stuff off the top of their head, we come back. Of course we do at half 12 on Saturday coming uh, against Everton, um, in the, uh, in the, the derby at like I said, half 12 again. Uh, and we're going to be, um, playing that on Saturday with a turnaround then on the Thursday night, a second Anfield game in a row, this time against our third opponents in the Europa League, uh, to lose. We then have Nottingham Forest again at Anfield on the Sunday. So we go Saturday, Thursday, Sunday. Wednesday following that Sunday, we have Bournemouth in the Carabao Cup, and that's at their place. The Sunday following the Wednesday, we go to Luton in the Premier League on the 5th of November. And on the Thursday after that, we have Toulouse, and that is at their place on Thursday the 9th. And... To wrap it all up, exactly three days later, we play Brentford at Anfield. And then there's another freaking international break ahead of City. Uh, and we might talk a little bit about City, but it seems so far away now. And there's another international break where some players might break. So that will be a separate conversation and very much more theoretical. So we want to get this chat going. And like I said, I'm just teeing it up for folks. You know where I'm going, where I'm going with this, Dave. I just want to get all the groundwork laid out before I pop the question to you. And the question is fairly straightforward, to be honest. The question is... What do we do here in terms of our personnel? And what we'll do is we'll take it sort of, if not game by game, we'll, we'll start with this first one. Considering Curtis is out, considering we've had a very, very clear issue in and around the uh, excellence, non-excellence, suitability, non-suitability of Alexis McAllister in that withdrawn midfield position, who are you leaning towards as you're starting three against the blue shite? Yeah, it's, I've been swithering on this a little bit, sort of back and forth, because the natural thing, Trev, is to look at the two new addi- additions, is whether you stay towards the uh, the endo camp coming in and playing the, the number six, or whether you think stick with Mack in the six and Gravenberch coming in. So you've got to get it right because I am reminded of the famous last words of Joan of Arc while being burnt at the stake, Trev, who told the world <laughs> the dross win the league. Those were her last words, so poignant at the time, and who knew they would mean so much in the future. So I'm going to be honest on this, that having swithered, you know, we, we, we can't get sort of splinters in our arse really tonight. I want to go... Round pegs in round holes. So I would really like to see Endo start as the six. I mean, it's the F. They play ugly football. Endo is, you know, he's brought in to do the ugly stuff. Let's not, you know, try and hide it or disguise it necessarily in any way. People might believe he has certain limitations, whatever it may be. But he's been brought in to, to tackle block, head it, you know, he's been pretty good in the air, all, all things considered, so give it to someone more skillful that you all need as Eric Cantona talked about, the water carriers in your side, so I would really revert Endo to the six, and the big thing for me, Trev, as well, that would allow Alexis McAllister to actually play the left side, wouldn't it, i.e. the role we thought he was all coming, you know, coming in for to, to really shine. I think, you know, he's almost earned that for me somewhat. Now, I, I understand people are going to be going absolute nonsense, and I understand the logic because, listen, Ryan Gravenberch hasn't been away, has he, for the international games? You know, he's, he's sort of ostracised a bit from the Dutch squad, so he's as fresh as anything. But for me, experience... Natural positions, I'm not convinced. I know they're not a good team by any means, but it's still a derby. So for this one, I would rather move Mac out of the six. Endo in there, Mac keeps his place for me. That's what I would do. Let's flip it. And before I give you my take, what do you think Klopp's going to do? 
Yeah, have a... I've got to be honest on this. I do not think Jurgen Klopp is going to back my judgment even 1%. My gut is telling me, Trev, that you're going to see Grav as fresh. He's going to have been working with him whilst he's still at the AXA, all those types of things. And he'll be thinking, and understandably, you know, this isn't a dig or a criticism in any way, but he's got some goals, he's got some assists. You know, he has a certain physicality, ability to cover the ground. So... I personally believe that his favourite boy, Alexis McAllister, and understandably, good lad, good player and all that, will be in the six. And I think he's going to play Grav on the left-hand side against the F. That is what my gut is telling me. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to AnfieldIndex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. You know, I, I find myself in agreement. Here's where I would like to do. I, again, I would like to see Endo given a chance. I, however, would balk at putting him in in a Merseyside derby. And I'll tell you why. Because the sample size we've seen of him so far... I would just be a little bit worried that for all the reassurances we got about his graft and ball winning skills and all the rest of it, I felt a few times that, oh, is this a little bit, is he being monstered here a few times in various, in various incidences? And this would not be a game to be experimenting with anything. Um, especially not when it seems as if the manager doesn't have a huge amount of faith in him. He pulled him off at half time in the European game. We all expected him to start the next one. He didn't. So it makes you wonder where he is in terms of um his curve uh under Klopp. You know, we know that sometimes people take time to get up to whatever Klopp deems speed. Introduction in a derby, that's a tough one for Endo. So for that reason, like yourself, I expect McAllister to start. I entirely expect Gravenberg to start, and I really hope he does, because I wish for nothing more, both for the player himself um, and for the betterment of the team, that Jurgen will cease the failed experiment that is Harvey Elliott as a as a midfielder in a three when we have Trent behind him and Mo in front of him. That's just not going to work. Stop it now. Just stop it. Um Unless we have a different uh, uh, sort of type of player in different positions, that can't. That's just not going to work. Um, and I did. I say that as a massive fan of, of Harvey Elliott, and I'd love to see him get plenty of chances across the front three. And I think he should. Um, but you know, I just I don't see that as a role for him. Or maybe if we play a midfield four, he could play as one of the wide roles, um, depending on what we're doing. If there's a four behind it, perhaps. But it just needs to be. I think no longer a thing. So for that reason, I'd be exactly the same as you. I don't see it going any different. But then what do I know? And we could both be fairly sickened and it might be the same midfield lineup again with Harvey on the right and Dom shunted across to the left. Who knows? Uh, as you say, they'll be working on something um, over the course of this week. Clabo's brain trust will be working on something. So it's going to be interesting to see. Now, we know the cur- I think it's fair to say, Dave, again, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's fair to say that Curtis would probably be a bit of a no-brainer alongside Alexis and Dominic it, it, with the current makeup of our squad, regardless of Gravenberg's form, um, if he was available. So we have to – let's just take that as a, as a given because it seemed to have been the case um, before he got suspended. Who do you think benefits from Curtis's absence? Can you see a situation where someone puts their hands up? And I guess the answer is, is it Grafenberg? Is he going to take this opportunity, um, maybe in a derby? Because we know he has that um, pace and physicality and ability to score a goal and make a pass and, 
it could really work. He, he has a lot of the things that we admired in Curtis Jones when he was more freewheeling. So it's an interesting one. And, and obviously he has a little, he's, he has a lot more pace than Curtis too. I mean, is he going to be the main beneficiary of, 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 of Jones's absence, do you think? Yeah, I have to be honest. I can't really see it any other way, which I know people will be thinking kind of contradicts what I said about Endo. But as we said, what I think Klopp will do against what I would do are completely different things. I do think that if you look at it so far, Gravin Birch has done very well. And he's almost in that, that second string, if you want, isn't it, Trev? That, that cup teams, but he still had a real impact and he showed some nice stuff when coming on. And you have, all you have to do is look back to that Brighton game. We looked a hundred times better with him replacing Harvey. And, and it's just really trying not to dig out Harvey in any way, so to speak. But as an audition when, I don't really think he seized his opportunity there, as it were. Whereas I know Gravenberg should have tucked that goal away or that chance away that ricocheted off the bar. But as an overall performance, as you alluded to there, the physicality, the ability to cover the ground, the pressing, also um, an impressive ability to to keep it in a, a tight space and draw a foul as well. I noticed that he does seem to win a lot of fouls, Gravenberg. So quite similar, naturally, to to Curtis. Maybe the the closest replication you can get in the the squad that way. So with that balance and everything in mind, and I think as you said that. As it stands, I do believe his first choice midfield is Mac as the six, Curtis and Dom there. So with Curtis suspended for the few, I cannot see anything but Ryan Gravenberch getting his chance in the first 11, the starting team. And fingers crossed he takes it, eh? Yeah, 100%. I think uh, a lot of this winnability will ride on that very fact. Uh, uh, what, what happens there is going to be pivotal for sure. Uh, because again, if we have, um, Ryan and Dom doing bits, uh, using high energy, using their high energy, um, physicality and, ample technique then it does take a bit of the pressure off McAllister uh, and it does sort of free up him to maybe be a little bit more comfortable in that role and I think especially if we again to extend the my hatred uh, of experiments it's almost like I dislike science uh, but I do not want to see any more of this messing around with Trent in this role I just it just bugs me I mean I'd rather see Kloppo go absolutely mental and play McAllister and Trent as a double pivot or something and actually play a right back uh, rather than this thing. The fluidity of it does not suit us. It leaves us too open. And I think it was Dave I heard saying recently, you know, I think this midfield chat has gone into Trent's head, you know, and it does seem as if that's where he wants to be most of the time. So we're not really, my wish was always that he would stay and just be the best right back the world has ever seen and continue to be that because he was. Um, but we're insisting on, on reinventing the wheel and it's fucking pissing me off, Dave. I'll be honest with you. Um, so for that reason, I think it's going to be, I hope it is that trio of Mark in the six and, 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 and Gravenberg and, um, and Dominic. But when we look forward to the far end of this run of fixtures, and like, like I say, I think that, I think I'd like to see that trio get a run because I think Klopp is stubborn enough to stick with Mac in the six regardless. And I don't know that Endo's put his hand up yet. And again, like you, I'd love to see him. I'd love to see him get a chance and see how he gets on. I don't know if it's wise in the derby, but over that course of those um, four games that you're talking about, it might be nice to see him a couple of times, certainly if he does well in Europe and so on and so forth. However, if you skip past this run of games uh, where Curtis is going to be out, even looking ahead, even the city away, do you think there's a possibility that that trio, that, that Gravenberg does actually usurp Curtis Jones's role in the team? Or do you see Curtis as, you know, a, 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 an experienced campaigner with Klopp, young and all as he is, 
Kloppo likes his trusted lieutenants and Curtis is starting to put his hand up and be in that role. Do you think he just walks back in like a Milner would or like a Henderson would have um, after a suspension? Um, because I personally have an inkling that that would be the most likely thing. Uh, what's your feeling on that in terms of, you know, the short term is the short term, but when Curtis Jones is back available, do you think he walks straight back in? Yeah, in short, Trev, the simple answer is yeah. And I think all the, all the things we're seeing with our eyes, all the metrics tell us that Curtis Jones, when he's fit, should be in that starting lineup. I mean, the Up Boys did some great stuff on him the other day. You know, if you look at his performances since almost that, that famous Arsenal game last season where he came in, I mean, he's first in the team for possession wins. He's first for high value wins. He's first for direct possession wins per 90 minutes, second in counter presses, second in, in group presses. I mean, the stats and the metrics go on, but what do your eyes tell you? He's hard working. No one, you can't really see Bar Dom, anyone else in that midfield or the team even pressing like Curtis from there. I think that'll be so important, especially against City away. You know he's going to understand it. He's going to work hard. He keeps the ball well in tight spaces. So, yeah, for, for me, and I, Christ knows I did not think I'd be saying this, especially with the players that, that came in this summer, but I can't make a case to keep Curtis Jones out if he's available against City. I just can't trap simple as that. Do you think the Europa games that are uh, dotted in between all of those league games and the Carabao Cup game, so that, you know, you don't have two league games in a row, it's it's, it's Everton, then Toulouse, Forest, then Bournemouth in the Carabao, uh, Luton, then to lose again, uh, and finally Brentford in that run. Do you think that you those cup games have a major bearing on this as well? Because any more squad thinning, and it's going to be a bit of an issue. And I suppose we were looking, weren't we, you and I, and talking about this on the last show, that, you know, a win against to lose, because I think of the way results have gone, and we've more or less sort of gotten ourselves where we want to be, but really, genuinely speaking, we need to w- winning the group is a massive, massive advantage. I believe it gives you a home tie. I believe you know it gives you you you, you, you get a you're kind of seeded. Then you you a favorable draw. All those kind of things. So it's it's hugely worth doing. It absolutely should be given the quality of the opposition. Our goal. So you know you, you can see Clapo being tempted to use the big guns at least for half an hour if things aren't going our way. So this could be this could be a, a part of the field that gets very thin very fast if we had a couple more knocks. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. I actually, and listen, I'm saying this with, you know, touching mud, fingers crossed and everything, but I actually think these cup games or the, you know, these op- options against like the Bournemouth and the Toulouse doubleheader, I think they could present an opportunity, especially with Curtis out. It's a chance for people. It's almost Klopp saying to them, right, audition yourselves, boys. Show me you should be in that team. And listen, people will probably laugh as I say this, Trev, but we are led to believe, as per the last sort of press conference or update that we had from the club, that even Thiago Alcantara and Stefan Bajsetic could be back sometime soon after the international break. So, if you think about it, if, if that is true, and I know people are going to be rolling their eyes when we're talking about Thiago like this especially, but if that is true, these games could be crucial in getting those two players as well up to speed, couldn't it? Getting the minutes on the pitch. And obviously, if you can, by the end of this run, have we Badge and Thiago firing, that probably changes the picture completely because if some miracle that Thiago is fit, ready for this City game, that changes the conversation a bit, doesn't it, eh? Yeah, one hundred percent, and and no, I think we're all really, really eager to see uh, Bajetic play again for sure, and see bits and pieces from him. And yeah, Thiago starting to feel like a myth. I, 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 I yeah, he's one probably the midfielder I've enjoyed the most watching since um, 
the Gerard Mascherano era midfield and Alonso and all that. I think I haven't enjoyed watching a midfielder as much as Thiago. Um, I'm, I'm, nobody's a bigger fan. It's just, it's so frustrating the, the lack of availability he's had since he's been uh, on our books. But yeah, the, they would be a very big boost for sure. And obviously the kind of games that, you know, you might want as a step back to challenging for first team. So that could work out reasonably well for us, as you say. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's so interesting, Dave. Uh, just to, to take this to its logical conclusion for a second, the, the fixtures, the fixture against City that we mentioned there comes in on the 25th of November. And that's when we come back after this next nonsense break. Uh, and we then have Lask um, and Fulham. Uh, we have Sheffield United and we have Crystal Palace and we have Union Saint-Gilois and we have Manchester United and we have Arsenal and we have Burnley and we have Newcastle all before the turn of the year. It's a mental run of fixtures. Absolutely nuts. And anybody who's thinking about, well, we're going to solve our problems in January is completely missing the point that we have so much pressure to win these games. Massive, massive games. Games away against Arsenal at the tail end of the month. A game away against Burnley. Um, oh, sorry, a game at home against Arsenal, a game away against Burnley, a game at home against um, Newcastle, a game at home against Manchester United. And because they are home games, Dave, there is pressure there for us to win them. So we need to have a functional unit and backup for that functional unit. So the best case scenario, I guess, is that we get some of these boys back in, fit and firing again, and we build that area of the field up and have availability rather than being too pessimistic and worrying about knocks. That's best case scenario. But I can't help but think if we have all those games until the 31st of January, which is the Chelsea game. uh, Oh, sorry, not 31st of January. If we have all those games up until the 30th of December, um, I can't help but feel that, you know, we're going to be reliant on all these guys to do the business for us. And I wonder, Dave, tell me how you feel about this. This is a transfer show after all. If enough lads have put up their hands and done a McAllister-esque solid job, do you think the pressure is there still as high as it should be for us to go and address that more defensively minded ball winner type? I've heard a lot of people talking about Andre. We did recently as well, but you know, again, he doesn't seem to be the profile that we're talking about there. He's a good player, but not that player. I mean, how do you think it's going to affect our impulse to do January business um, if we actually go on a solid run and really acquit ourselves well um, in this next portion right up till the 31st of December? Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a tad predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa. He does Anfield Index. He presents a tad predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. I mean, I, I absolutely believe someone has to come in in January, and obviously we'd like a defender as well, but the, the midfield needs a reinforcement, Trev, and especially because, you know, Thiago come January will have six months left on his contract, and just personally, people might disagree or be shouting, I just can't see how you look to renew him on those wages with the availability, question marks, if you want to call them that, that linger around him, I, I just don't see that as smart business. 
that way. So, yeah, like you, I, I want someone to come in. I, I think we said, we, I would love a destroyer, an absolute destroyer, you know, someone earmarked that, that we've talked about these players to come in. But I'm trying not to get my hopes up too much at this stage because I do think everything is pointing towards Andre Trev. I really do, almost as the the Thiago successor, that progressive controller. And yes, he's a, he's a talented footballer. I wouldn't disagree with that. You know, there's a lot of promise there. The price sounds good. All those types of things are, are ticks in the column. But he's not what I would want. But I, I genuinely think Jurgen Klopp sees it for this season at least as I've got Endo in. That is my number six ticking the box for that column specifically. That's honestly how I believe he sees it. And it wouldn't necessarily be what I do. I don't think it would be what a majority of Reds would personally do. But I do think, and listen, there's a long time till January, so more stuff will come out naturally. But we're asking about transfers. We're asking to sort of hedge our bets now. I think it's going to be Andre, and we'll go from there. Yeah, I, I mean, getting Endo in at six is a super idea if he ever played in a big game that mattered. So we'll have to see how that goes. And you teed us up lovely uh, to talk about the next little part that we wanted to talk about. And this is the impact um, on our defence. Uh, we didn't get any defenders in. As you said, both of us were very high on the prospect of getting in a left-sided defender. Um, most people, I think could see that it wouldn't have been a bad idea to have uh, some really viable competition for uh, Andy Robbo. Everyone has, I think, affection for Costas Simicus, um, but he's not on the level that Robertson is, and therefore he can't be considered a viable alternative, can he? So we should be looking to get someone who's at least got the potential to be as good as, as Robbo at best. I don't think... I don't think there's any other way of thinking about things than that, Dave. And I could be wrong and feel free to correct me on that. But like we said, no defenders did come in. And now we've got Robbo out, regardless of your opinion of him. A lot of people talking about decline in his form. I said at the start of the season, if we're going to do anything this season, we need a big, big season from Robbo. We just do. We can't afford Robbo to be having these six out of 10 performances, he needs to be really on his game. And we saw some wonderful stuff from him this season, but also some stuff that wasn't so wonderful. Now he's out. Now Simicus will play an extended run. And what is going to happen when Simicus needs a rest? We both said uh, in the summer, Simicus should be probably an, a fellow we should sell on for a decent um, bit of money add that to the fund and get in like we said that real competition for Robbo that really gets him to up his game and gives us a real viable alternative especially a guy who could maybe play in a back three um, if we're going to keep pricking around with this Trent in midfield experiment so what are we going to do in this next period of time where Simicus is literally the only show in town? I mean, you know, there's a, there's a high likelihood that Jürgen's already been tapping up um, uh, his, his, his pal there at Brighton and saying, I think you're getting Millie back on loan so I can play him at left back for a couple of games. That wouldn't surprise me the least. So, I mean, what, what do you think Kloppo's going to do when it comes to this situation short term and then longer term are we are we always just like a, a, an Andy Robbo injury away from having it like uh, you know a slap in the chop saying you should have addressed this you haven't done it it feels like that to me yeah it, it, it can't disagree with that it almost goes back to what we said a number of times in those summer transfer shows that we believed and, and I still stand by this Trevor as we both said that Jurgen Klopp believes his defensive options are better than, than we do, so to speak. And yeah, and, and I get people saying it's it's unlucky, and I get that to an extent. And what I mean by that is no one's obviously going to predict Andy Robbo with the shoulder, and we don't know the full impact, but all I'm going to take is Steve Clark's press conference today. Now, Steve Clark, the Scotland manager, was asked about Andy Robbo, and if he knew anything, literally said he's back with his club, naturally, as we all know, said, it's not for me, I don't know, and it's not for me to give a definitive time scale, but I can't guarantee he'll be available for the next set of international fixtures in November, which is probably the worst 
read between the lines, shall we say, Trevor. So it's not going to sound like a, a short-term thing or, you know, depending on how we define short-term, but he's not going to come back straight away. Now, I wouldn't do this personally, but I understand that Jurgen Klopp will back Kostas Simikas fully. He will play there. He will become the natural first choice left back with Robertson out. That's honestly what I believe. You know, they signed the new contract, all those types of things. It's not necessarily what I would do, but Kostas will be the main fullback for those big games, obviously depending on how long Andy Robbo's out. What I also think it will do is, and I could be wrong on this, but I think an opportunity falls to someone. What I mean is, taking into account what you said against to lose if you can get this group one early type of thing in the Europa, I think young Luke Chambers. Now, if you speak to some of the journos and people around the club, they've got massive hopes for this kid. He really shone with Kilmarnock on loan last season. I know people are going to start saying Kilmarnock to Liverpool, a big leap. I'm not debating that, but it's a natural thing with these young players, isn't it? They've got to get some time, experience on the pitch, all those types of things. So what I genuinely think is he will wholeheartedly back a popular member of the squad, as will everyone else, Kostas Simikas, to come in, play left-back in those league games. It's not necessarily what I would do, but someone like Luke Chambers may get an opportunity, but I just get a sneaking suspicion as well, Trev, that I wouldn't be surprised, especially for those Europas when you're just trying to get it done early and across the line. Don't bet against someone like Konsa getting some time there or even Joe Gomez getting some time there as well, just to get those types of things done. But, yeah, if I had to bet, I think Kostas Simikas gets every opportunity now going forward for this period. You get the feeling Klopp's going to back his squad man and give him the opportunity to take it for sure. But he can't play all those games. And you're right, it'd be nice to see Chambers maybe getting a game... Um, uh, is there a Scanlon kid as well who's maybe a bit further down the pecking order, but he's highly rated? Yeah. Um, and, you know, who knows? It'd be nice to see something maybe in the Carabao Cup or something like that, seeing some of those uh, kids getting a go, or maybe in the Europa League, if we if we do seal up top spot um, after three or four games, that would be wonderful. Um, but like you, my inclination is that Klopp is going to go trusted lieutenants and Klopp is going to go uh, caution first and lads that I trust. And for that reason, I agree with you. I think, and this is what I was going to say regardless, I think we're, we're on the uh, what would Klopp do and, and what would we do personally. And I actually, mine, mine crosses over here. I do think Joe is going to get a go over there. I think he will. I mean, Jimmy Milner, right footed, played there loads. Uh, Joe is a better defender than Jimmy Milner. He's better in the air than Jimmy Milner. Uh, he's more mobile than Jimmy Milner. And he's got a lot of rhythm and game time under his belt at this stage. And I think if you told Trent to ha- have a bit of discipline and stay at home a bit more and con- concentrate on being a right back, um, and you had Joe o- over the far side with Ibu and Virgil in the middle, I actually think that's a fucking really strong back four, to be honest with you, Dave. And I kind of like to see it. I know it's kind of apples and oranges, but Joe has played there before and done well. And we know that he's mobile. We know he's a good ball carry. We know he's got a pass. We know he can do things at pace. So I think it might be actually our strongest solution. And this seems harsh on Simicus because I do believe Klopp will give Simicus first choice. But I think if the, if, if it looks as if Costa's form is is dropping off. I think Joe gets plugged in there straight away, and like you said, maybe gets plugged in if the big if the European game is is deemed important enough. I think it's him that starts there. So, and I I I'll be honest with you, Dave. I'd love to see it. I mean, what do you think? Do you think it could work, Joe Gomez over there for an extended period? Because I mean, like I've I've seen him in that position for Liverpool before. I I I don't see how he could be any less accomplished than Jimmy Milner was, and he did a super job there at Milner for a while. I agree, Trev. Genuinely, for for what I do, I would put Joe Gomez in there, especially for this box formation hybrid, Trent Foot, whatever you want to call it, whatever you want to label it. The the, the left-sided defender, let's, let's call it that, doesn't play like we're used to in it, a 4-3-3. They do need to be more conservative, the, the right word, that as Trent pushes on, it becomes a back three. So 
I would absolutely be delighted with Gomez going in there just to almost be as solid as you can possibly make it for, you know, however long Robbo is out, especially Trev. And I'm going to be honest, if all that means, you know, if we keep plodding on and doing what we're doing and just racking up the wins, if Robbo is not back by City, you can't just all of a sudden throw Joe Gomez into left-back, can you? Can't be like, oh, we're playing City, we need to be more solid. Like, you, you've got to give him a go. You've got to give him a chance at it, you know, getting used to the position. Because I do feel for the lad a bit if that happens, because he's played centre-back this season, you know, with 10 men. He's played the right-back. He's played the Trent role, hasn't he? You know, he's had to do that, almost play that hybrid. You know, so to ask him to then all of a sudden go left-back, it's, it's a huge, huge ask. So I would personally like to see him have a real go there and this sounds to me even there's a little bit of me quanta but I think that's almost too big a slap in the face to to simicast then a, a little bit but yeah and I would love to see Gomez go there but if you ask me to bet I'm thinking Costas gets the nod every day and twice on Sunday under clock yeah, I think you're right. I think it's the old loyalty thing again. And, 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 and for all the reasons you outlined and I, I, and myself, I'd like to see Joe being the first choice there. Um, and I think Gerald Quonset deserves a go there as well because he's shown such calm, especially as you say, if we're doing that, um, we need the, the, the left sided defender to be more like a center half and stay at home. I think it works with Quonset there too. And, yeah, I, 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 there, at least we do have options. They don't, none of them have that swashbuckling mobility going forward that, uh, Robbo brings when he's at his very best. That's for sure. Uh, and you might raise an eyebrow at some of Costa Simica's delivery at times. But when he gets his, into a, a run of form, he can be good too. So hopefully if it is Costas, he uh, gets into his very best form as quickly as possible. Um, and he'll really, really, really have to do a job on his uh, defensive side. That's for sure. We have one big area left that we want to talk about, and it's obviously transfer related. Um, and it's news that's been, we, we had, you, to be fair, you were, we were, you were miles ahead on this, uh, and had this story before I saw it anywhere in any of the, uh, major outlets. Um, and it's become very, very pointed now recently. I'm going to let you fill in as much detail as you can around this as to why he's available, where he's come from and who is rivaling him, uh, uh, us for his services. But it would appear as though we are in for Max Eberl. Um, tell us and tell the listeners who that is, what he does, where he's come from, why he's available now. And who it is that we're in contention with for his services, potentially, because I think it's still only a rumor. I don't know how real the stories of our interest are. I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home Internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want whenever I want and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes and games consoles. Visit LibertyShield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. Yeah, it's a, it's a fascinating one with Max Ebel. That it does seem that there's legs in this. Well, no matter what people think or believe, that you've got to just be be factual if you look at the stories that have come out. So, obviously, he's recently left uh, the Red Bull franchise. That Red Bull released that statement, didn't they, saying that having spoken to him, they believed a, a lack of commitment 
to sort of the group. So, you know, they, they parted company and their, their lack of commitment stemmed, Trev, because, it, you know, it all came out in Germany that Bayern was sniffing around, weren't they? And people looked and went, hold on, Bayern have got sporting director in Freund, but actually that's not it specifically, that they were offering um, a seat on that fabled board, weren't they, with the, the Viper's Nest, so to speak, with Rumenegger, Ugly and all the others, so to speak, together. So people, you know, raised their eyebrows, but understood it. You know, it's, it's Bayern, it's the pinnacle of German football, a seat on the board, how he's earned it from munching Gladbach through to the Red Bull franchise, all those sorts of stuff. So a lot of people in Germany saw it that way. Great. However, we've said, we mentioned this, that he's been a, a person that Liverpool, FSG, even Klopp, you know, others have admired for, for a long time. And naturally, with the whole Schmacker being, it seemed, a temporary thing, you know, and he talked about his role as a transfer assistant, not sporting director. He talked about his role and having that break clause, the options he put it to shake hands and walk away, that it left a big sort of open question mark there, didn't he? And people were wondering, where's the move going to be? Who's it going to be? And that's obviously from us at AI sniffing around and asking that, you know, Liverpool like him a lot and he was a potential option, but... The big thing that's now sort of corroborating that, Trev, is quite a few of the German sources are saying this, and Build Sports specifically, you know, everyone knows, well, I say everyone knows, I'm sure people do know Build, you know, a big name in Germany have said that Liverpool are direct rivals for Bayern, i.e. all the intimation is, it's pretty much going to be Bayern or Liverpool as sporting directors. So we are... Everything suggested from Germany, well, within the game. Now, here's a game you'll like, Trev, because you know we love to play this game, don't we, in the transfers in. What do the news outlets in the home country suggest against what do the patch journals suggest? So, James Pearce, as we know, and please, this isn't meant to be any sort of dig. We have him on our shows, as we know. But James Pearce, you've got to look at the way it was reported, people, said he'd asked specifically, and Liverpool have, played down suggestions that it's an imminent move. He didn't say there's no chance he denied it, just played it down. There's not been an outright no chance, you know, anything like that at all. I would suggest there's strong, strong legs in this. You know my thoughts on this, Trev. I think he's perfect for the role. I think Liverpool think he's perfect for the role. It literally will come down. I mean, what a life this boy's got now. He's going to pick either Bayern on the board or Liverpool sporting director for me, where I think he'll be, you know, enjoy privileged powers, put it that way type of thing. So, yeah, I think it's Liverpool or Bayern. If you've got this chance, which I genuinely believe, I think we've got to make it happen, Trev. Simple as that. But, yeah, I think there's all systems go for me personally. I'm, I'm looking at Bayern's setup. Like you said, it's uh, famously uh, famously structured and um, potentially toxic, <laughs> for sure. Uh, and if you are out of favour, you're very quickly out of favour, and several high-profile people have felt that feeling very recently. I wonder, with Christoph Freund there, who I think was somebody that, you know, he'd like to see Liverpool have been interested in back in the day anyway uh but if he's there and they have that you know structure with all the leading lights who obviously have their say in whatever way shape or form that 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 manifests would it be fair to say that his role if he were to come to liverpool would be considerably more ample and probably he would have considerably more clout than he might in Bayern and if that is true might that be a thing that might edge him towards Liverpool as opposed to going with the you know one of the prestige clubs in the world and obviously the prestige club in that particular league how do you feel about that do we any info info around what his role would look like in the two places absolutely spot on Trev I think that that as the selling point is our advantage as it were that does he really want to go into and listen it's completely understandable because of the salary and role if he does but does he actually want to go into the Bayern Game of Thrones because it is ruthless and they slit throats without even blinking do they it doesn't matter the name like 
Look at Oliver Kahn, Sally Hamazic. You know, they will sack managers, sporting directors, you know, Uli, Carl Hines, all the big, will do it without even blinking. So that is what he knows he'll be going into that arena. That, you know, you, you can't debate that. History proves factually that is the case. Whereas with us, less interference, less backstabbing, knowing clearly how it's set up, i.e., FSG would say, be saying to you, Max, get on with this. This is your role. This is how things work. This is, you know, how it works holistically. That is what you're hoping. But yeah, I honestly believe if it is going to tip it, if that's the right phrase for us, is specifically down to those things because Bayern can promise you a lot of things. But look at someone like Oliver Kahn, you know, and, and the prestige, his record, all the things that, you know, it's a nest of vipers, Trev, and they will slit your throat in a heartbeat. That is our advantage in the negotiations for me. Dagger-wielding vipers, I love it. We really do get some fantastic imagery in on this show, thanks to you, uh, my friend, I have to say. And you've teed us up nicely to go to the last part of our chat today by mentioning FSG, because we have had the story of the recent um, investment by Dynasty Media, um, a share of, I think, up as far as 200 millions worth, um, which is very much a minority share from what we're told the club is worth. And probably doesn't uh, represent the type of investment that anybody can get too excited about in terms of having a knock-on effect for us uh, as fans, which means in the transfer kitty, which is literally all that fans think about when there is talk of takeover. And I, I, I think it's interesting. It's a good way for us to finish our little chat here today because there is that broader topic. People have been getting all nostalgic and looking back at 10 years of NESV stroke FSG. In other words, 10 years of, of, of John and Tom in the lads, um, doing their business, uh, having, uh, you know, sort of, uh, bailed out a, a, a dodgy, looking setup for us and having a tricky opening spell and then discovering Jurgen Klopp and the joy of success. And then, of course, in that period of time as well, under Klopp, many of us uh, considered to be, um, you know, not proper fans by lads who I think openly refer to themselves as top reds. I'm not sure on the nomenclature, um, but many of us believe that further investment from a point of strength would have ensured at least one more league title and one more Champions League and I'll forever be immensely frustrated about that as as the opposite of a day out merchant I just want fucking trophies uh, Dave that's all I ever want uh, for this club and I feel we've left them behind us on the watch of FSG and so when we hear these stories about minority investment it just brings all the reality of the situation to mind doesn't it that these are at the end of the day businessmen doing business deals and we can be as romantic as we like Dave we can have all the dreams about Liverpool and trophies that we like but it is a business for these guys and they're doing business deals what do we know about this dynasty media investment what's your feel on it in terms of is it worth even being excited about? Is it just another footnote? Does it actually potentially make things very complicated? The more pieces of the club are sold, should a deal ever want to be done? Should we ever find the perfect, you know, Goldilocks zone owners who are both sound lads and rich lads? I mean, what does it mean for us? Yeah, it's... I'm not getting blown away excited. And I know people, when they're obviously all this start, the sale, partial sale talk, we're looking for some big players to come in. And this is not playing Dynasty down in any way. But what I see this as, Trev, is a smart business deal because, you know, let's be honest, FSG could line up with quite a few people to, you know, it's not it's not big money in football terms, is it? I know people could be screaming because I'm saying, you know, up to $200 million is, but in football terms, for the big business that we're talking about, it's really not at the top end of elite football clubs that big. Liverpool are doing this for debt servicing, aren't they? Let's be honest, so they can get rid of those, the debts linked to Annie Road, the training ground, all those types of things. And it was interesting because we had David Lynch on 
up a, a Media Matters show earlier, and he was kind of talking about the, the same thing, that it's about debt servicing. It doesn't mean Liverpool are going to start spending absolute fortunes that we're looking for, necessarily going to break transfer records left, right, and centre. But if the debt's paid, you know, if the key debts are paid off, Trev, if the wage bill's been slashed, as it were, how can we be playing the pauper, which you know we will, Trev, which you know we will publicly, but how on earth do you think that's going to fly by anyone once you've got those money, the debt paid off, all that type of thing, you know, the wage bill slashed? You know they will, but it will just look even more foolish playing the pauper that way. And then the other thing I've got to say on this, Trev, is it very much feels like when you do the investigation, a few stories that are coming out, this is almost like to, to dial up a 1980s imagery. They want Dynasty's Filofax. They want their black book. They want their connections. Because if you look at the, you know, it's two boys that sort of headline this company. These have been major, major players in US sports investment. And you look at the companies and the people they've been involved with. They've been involved with Morgan Stanley. They've been involved as advisors, Trev, for the NFL. They advised the Pittsburgh Steelers owners on a restructure of their finances as well. Even when the MLS started, you know, started to build, these boys were advising as well. So it almost feels like, for me specifically, it's their black book as well, their connections, because there's a lot of people that FSG could get into bed with, you know, for it's not a massive sum. It's not in top level football. You know, if you, you know, we look at, them down the East Lanks and the figures quoted. 200 million is not big money in terms of top level football investment. It's about connections, sporting partnerships, however you want to see it. But I would love to be able to say this will transform the transfer show as we would love and talk about all those types of things. But it's a positive footnote in that sense. But I still think they'll find ways to play the pauper. And we'll still think, how are they doing that? The only thing is now I'll think, Christ, with this development as well, how are you playing that role? But I still think it'll happen, Trev. That's my honest take on it. They'll find a way. <laughs> life, life will find a way, as will FSG doing the poor mouth. And you know, I, I, honestly, I, I was always more of a Dallas man than Dynasty, so I have, I have very little excitement about it. Like yourself, I, I see it as as a, as a, a cynical business move, and I, I, I hear people sort of sanctimoniously wanting me to get excited about debt payment, and I'm like. Yeah, I think you're, you've mistake, mistaken me for, uh, the lad at the accountants convention. I, I don't care. I mean, once the club is being run well, don't expect me to get excited about paying down debt. I mean, what the hell is that? That is, that, that can never get your blood flowing as a, as a fan. There's only so much smug sanctimony I can feel about being uh, in inverted commas, well run club. I've always been open about that. And if you want to be up on that high horse and if it makes you happy and, and gives you cuddles at night, then fair play to you. And, and, and you know, you're, you, we're different people. Um, and, and, and I'm sure there are people who are listening to this who feel as if that makes them happy and content and uh, you know there's no judgment here it just it doesn't do it for me at all and so my last question to you in the last minute or so of the show is as you look ahead um past these fixtures we talked about the run there we talked about december 31st and we have this really mad setup in terms of the fixtures where um there is the last game in December on the th- on the 31st of December. And I think there's a chance that one might get moved, actually, probably. Um, and that is the game against, uh, as the 30th, excuse me, of December against, uh, against uh, uh, Newcastle at Anfield. The only other games in January are on the 13th and on the 31st. That's mad. That's mad. There's a serious gap there in January at the moment. Now, I think there might be a couple of rounds of FA Cup in there. But I suppose what it does is it gives us a little bit of a of leeway. I'm going to the game on the 31st against Chelsea on a Wednesday night, Anfield under floodlights in the cold, dark January. 
and I can't wait. And I have a simple question for you, and you can make this as long or as short as you like. I know we're both watching the clock here for you. Do you think on that night I'm going to be looking down at a few new faces togging out in Red's training kit? Uh, I'm I'm reminded of a verse in the Old Testament, Leviticus chapter 16, Trev. <laughs> and the famous words as uttered by Michael the Apostle, who said, spend some fucking money, lads. That midfielder could be the title. And it's amazing how these things transfer into real life and the future. But I think you'll be looking at an Andre, Trev, personally. That is what I believe. I would love, love to believe you'd be looking at a defensive reinforcement. But, alas, as it also says in Leviticus, sometimes Big Jürgen just believes more than us. So, let's see, eh? Ah, the good book. Such a source of wisdom. And for the first time, I'm discovering that Michael is an apostle. This is amazing stuff. History lessons, theology lessons, and football lessons from Dave Davis as we wrap up another transfer show. This is a bonus one that we did for you, so you'd have some stupid international break content that is not stupid for you to wrap your ears around on the topic of Liverpool. As ever, I've enjoyed doing it. As ever, it just leaves me to say thanks a lot, Dave. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.